The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we talk about all the PlayStation news from the last week, because normally PlayStation likes to drop it as soon as we finish recording the show. And speaking of that, of course, PlayStation Plus games are going to get announced this week. I don't know what they are yet. I'm sorry. We'll talk about them next week. I hope they're good games. But we do have plenty to talk about this week, uh, including Cyberpunk, uh, Ghost of Tsushima movie news, uh, Ratchet and Clank PS5 patch, and a lot more. But before we get to all of the news to talk about this week i'm joined this week by simon cardi hello good evening. Good to have you back it, <laughs> it's it's you. late for you yeah um, it's always late for me though it's now i just that's very you know, true i don't do mornings at all so you know yeah you only live in the night <laughs> yeah uh, we're, oh, <laughs> we're also joined this week by zach ryan cardi you said that so you're so menicing the way you said that yeah yeah, I'm a very menacing person. I think everyone you meet will agree. Uh, That's, right. Yeah, I'm sure. When I, when I think of Cardi, I think yeah. of menacing. Absolutely. Cardi uh, menace Simon. <laughs> and of course, uh, also this week, we're joined by special guest Street Grind. Street, thank you so much for joining us and being here with us. Hey, well, thank you so much for having me. I've been hearing about your podcast for quite a while, and then I'm just glad to freaking be here. Happy to have you on. Uh, for those who don't know you or where they can find you, do you want to give people a little uh, idea of where they can uh, find you and the awesome uh, streams that you do and more? Well, you don't have to flatter me that much, <laughs> Jonathan. All right. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on you can find me on Twitch where I usually do a lot of like action RPGs or you can find me on Instagram for a lot of my fitness content and Twitter. You could just find me just, you know, just speaking my truth, speaking what I do pretty much. So that's where you can find me there at. The name Street Grind should just pop up. So we're happy to have you on this week. I will I will absolutely admit I um I have not worked out at all during the pandemic. And but see like seeing how how positive and, and sort of like reinforcing you are about you know living an active, healthy lifestyle. Someone who used to go to the gym quite a bit. I've I've finally signed up to go to the gym for the first time in a year, and I'm I'm very excited to get back to it. So I appreciate honestly Ooh. your your uh incidental support. <laughs> Ooh, honestly, man, that means a lot. Thank you, man. That, that's pretty pretty much all just I try to tell people, man, is just try to lead by example and you know it's important, man. Like I always say that we only only have one body and we just have to, you know, try to make the most of it. I mean, I'm not gonna say that I've been perfect, you know, during the pandemic either, where like when it initially hit last year, probably for like a month or two, like I wasn't really working out either. Cause I think everyone was kind of they felt deflated at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad to hear people are, you know, they're really taking charge of of their health, really. That means a lot to me. And uh, of course, we'll probably not. I, I don't know how much nutritional value people will gain from this episode, but nonetheless, we we do have a lot to get through and a lot to discuss. And I, the first thing I do want to bring up, just because we talked about it a lot last week, which of course uh, none of you are on, so I do want to quickly get your thoughts on it. Was confirmation that uh, PlayStation is shutting down uh, the PS3, PS Vita, and PS PSP stores officially. Uh, this was after we got rumors and reports, uh, originally from the gamer that this would be happening. And then we got word 
that uh, the PlayStation 3 and PSP stores will officially be completely shut on July 2nd, 2021. And then the PS Vita store, uh, the PSN digital shop will be closed on August 27th, 2021. Uh, I don't want to belabor on my end too much because uh, Brian Altano and I talked a lot about this last week with Mitchell Saltzman uh, and Brian, I think pretty succinctly wrapped up all of our feelings was it just sucks. Uh, that this is happening, that we're losing a, a large piece of uh, history. Zach, I wanted to start with you, uh, just sort of like a quick reaction to this news and and sort of what you think this means for, you know, Sony's legacy. Yeah, I think it, I I think it's a bummer. I mean, I've been a PlayStation fan for a really long time, um, and it's it's sad to see that a lot of these games, you know, the only way that you could get a lot of these older games uh, was through these stores. Uh, you know, like I have frequently gone back to my vita and used it as a playstation one essentially because you could buy a lot of playstation one games for vita for a long time you could anyway um and that's just going away you know so like a lot of those games will sort of be lost to time um and that is yeah i mean we talk a lot about we have talked a lot in the past about video game preservation and um you know how things get lost from one generation to the next and how you know there are a lot of games out there that are somebody's favorite games, right? And um, those games will just go away forever in this move. Um, lesser known games, third party games, things that didn't make a big splash, but are great, you know, great games beloved by some that they're, they're just sort of lost to the annals of time until somebody reaches back out and decides to remaster them or whatever. But a lot of these games won't ever get that second look because they're just not impactful enough or not big enough or, you know, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a shame to see so many great titles just kind of gone forever. But that's my take. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I pretty much agree. I mean, I'm a big Vita fan saying that I did try and find my Vita for this podcast to see what I had installed on there. I couldn't <laughs> actually find it. It's been about four years since I played it. I think I'm the opposite of Zach. I don't go back to it that often. You've got your I always I always keep nice. mine handy just in I case. I should have prepared mine somewhere <laughs> in this <Yeah>. room. <laughs> you're you're a professional. I'm not. That's that's the result of this whole conversation. But, um <laughs> yeah, I I love the Vita. Persona 4 Golden is one of my favorite games of all time. And like, mm. luckily that is now on Steam. So there is a way to play that. But there are going to be games like, you know, where you're going to play Gravity Rush unless you've got a copy of it. Or like, I mean, for the PSP, UM, is the big UMD boom coming back? Are they going to sort of like $100 <laughs> each? Mm. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of, it's less for me. I feel like I've had my fill of those games and the PSP, the PS Vita, PS3. I had my time. I played what I wanted on those. But as you say, it's more for you know, the children of the future, <laughs> you know, they're not going to go back and play those games, are they? They're, they're just not going to be easy to find. It's kind of a similar scenario. I didn't listen last week. I'm sorry if I'm repeating this, How but um, I'm sorry. Similar to what Nintendo are doing, I think when this releases today is the last day you can buy the 3D Mario collection. Mm. That's right. Well, I don't know what yeah. they're doing after that, but, you know, there are other ways to play that game, but just odd decisions sometimes, isn't it, that I don't think we fully understand. There must be just pure business reasons behind this that we i i don't know what they do <laughs> but, yeah. yeah presumably it's like obviously these stores are probably not pulling in enough resources to you know keep the servers and the the, the available like whatever man hours and computing powers were needed hours were needed to keep all of these stores running i guess to them were not worth the money they were putting in versus what was getting out but yeah zach as you said and definitely as we spoke to last week it, it is absolutely like a a game preservation thing and it, it brings up an interesting point of uh simon as you were saying like maybe they'll do things like the 3d all-stars collection maybe we'll get like the vita classics collection or something with a couple like playstation first party games but there will be a lot of things just lost to time um mm -hmm. And that happens in all art forms like there will there are always movies and TV shows. You can't find them on certain streaming platforms or any streaming platforms and things will just get inherently lost. But this is something that's like preventable because it like this is some an active choice that is being made is I, I think where we see a lot of the frustration come from street. I don't know how you feel about this one, but um, <sighs> yeah, I don't think I'm just going to agree with what everyone else is saying because it does suck. Right. I mean, like anything that I guess it's. It's taken away from you, especially when, you know, you've had like memories tied to it or like I know like for me, right, I've never personally have owned a PS3 or a Vita or a PSP. But I know so many other people that have and the memories that they've had with it. So thinking about it from my perspective, if I ever wanted to start like a collection of some sort, right, of, you know, PS3 games or Vita games now like that 
being able to have that resource uh like that library to go to of like all right what are the games that people were talking about back in like you know like the mid 2000s when they came out like that is kind of just you know taken away from me now so i'm kind of just gonna be you know going to either like garage sales if people are even selling ps3 games or ebay or you know whatever the case may be it's just a, it's gonna be a little bit harder to try to you know find those those legacy type games that people are talking about mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. And, and it's weird, especially when there's, you know, major PlayStation franchises like where where are you going to play, even if it's not the best of the bunch, like where are you going to play Uncharted Golden Abyss, which is part of a, you know, a currently beloved franchise or like, right. where can you get Metal Gear Solid 4 now, I guess? Is it has it ever been released in a re like a collection? No. I don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like that. That is just a, a main numbered entry of that franchise. And, you know, granted, Konami is Konami, but it's it's one of those weird things where like there there's no solutions i think in place that were that were offered as a uh, a response to this news and the and this news was sort of delivered as like an update on an faq page and an email sent out to fans like it wasn't even sort of a like playstation blog post and i think especially when you see xbox making backward compatibility so much a fundamental part of their uh process right now it's just one of those things where it's like man i would have loved to see probably you know a letter from herman holst or jim ryan on the playstation blog that was like you know we loved this generation of playstation but we have to shut down these doors for technical like they could have kept it vague but just something to like address the fan concerns that that clearly cropped up uh, since those original reports happened. But uh, obviously, if anything comes from this, if they decide to release uh, limited time collections or things like the Mario 3D All-Stars uh, collection before they kill off Mario, uh, we'll, d- we'll definitely keep you updated on any of those. And now you don't think it's going to happen, Zach? You think he's going to stay alive? Fair enough. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I heard they're preparing the fire pit now. So uh, it's not burning. I mean, Bowser's got a lot of those, so that seems yeah. pretty, pretty easy. But um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely keep you updated if we hear anything about, uh, you know, any way to help preserve these games. And definitely there are a lot of great game history preservation groups that I'm uh, going to be looking into in the couple of weeks to see what they're doing and sort of what the work is around to keep this generation alive. Um, but this episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on to continue looking a little bit forward and slightly back, uh, the day we're recording this episode, we got a ton of CD Projekt Red slash Cyberpunk news. Now, of course, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is still not available to buy again on the PlayStation Store. It is still unavailable for purchase there. Uh, More than 100 days after that game's launch. Uh, Obviously, if you had the game and didn't get it refunded, you still can have your copy of it, and the game is still getting patches for those who are playing it on there. But um, for now, we don't know when the game's coming back to PlayStation, PlayStation, but we've been following this game so much on this show that I, I wanted to bring up uh, sort of the like cascade of news that happened because just to set the scene for everyone earlier this week, the 1.2 patch, which was, was supposed to be one of the the biggest patch for Cyberpunk uh, to address some of the issues, was released. Uh, it was probably the longest uh, patch note page I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the list just went on for longer than oh, like you're a not game. an Avengers fan. <laughs> that, I'm getting back into it, Simon. You know, um, I think it rivals Avengers, but no, yeah, it was a it was a hefty patch, and then right on top of that, CDPR came out and kind of uh, addressed where things are going for both Cyberpunk and the company as a whole. So the the couple of things I wanted to bring up, and then I want to dive into all of your thoughts is that uh starting in 2022 cd project red is going to be focusing on developing witcher and cyberpunk triple a games simultaneously uh their wording was relatively vague so it may be that you know these are things that are related to existing games like presumably they'll still be working on cyberpunk feeling i get the feeling it's going to be like gwent 2 and like (laughs) cyberpunk cart or something you know what i mean like i I don't necessarily feel like we're good i i would hope that it would be substantial cyberpunk expansions and dlcs and you know like some kind of new witcher game but yeah i feel like that's a far shot at this point yeah it um it it was an interesting thing to see this i think especially in light of you know uh cyberpunk having such a long time of development and obviously there there are a ton of reports about the development woes of that game but one of those things where i think a lot of people's reaction that i saw was sort of like you you saw how hard it was for management to like understand how tough a one project like that was do you think they're going to understand properly how to balance two projects like that mm-hmm. um, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> collective size it's just uh, yeah it's so frustrating isn't it because I mean, the obvious thing to say is, and it sounds simple, but it's obviously not simple. It's just fix this game first. Just worry about, do one thing at a time. I know you can't just do that in business. You can't just do one thing at a time and not look ahead to the future. But like I I played Cyberpunk when it came out. I think I was quite lucky. I played it on, I played the PS4 version on PS5 and I was quite lucky. I didn't have too many bugs. I was, had a relatively easy ride of it. And I thought it was a pretty good game. Like I thought it was, a, a very good game at times and i do kind of i don't think it was amazing but I, I have every now and then thought about that world and some of those characters i think they did mm-hmm. that really really well but i just don't know the sort of fixes i would want to make that game better i don't know if it can be done in a patch i don't for me it wasn't the glitches it was some of the core actual mechanics of that game that just didn't work and i kind of i know it's there's a lot of people that haven't been able to play it, especially on PlayStation, because I haven't been able to buy it, uh, despite it not being on the Vita or the PSP. And it's just, <laughs> you know, I at this point, I don't know if I need more Cyberpunk. I'm Granted, I was very lucky. I had a good experience with it, and I know there's a lot of people want to play it, but I at this point, if you said, scrap Cyberpunk and just go to Witcher 4, I would take that personally. But I know I'm a lucky person in that regard. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, it, it, it's also one of those interesting things, and Zach and Street, I'm definitely curious to hear from you both, too. It, it's that thing of, like, especially these fixes at the moment. A lot of people did play Cyberpunk at launch. Granted, not a lot of people on PlayStation now, especially. But, like, are they, uh, I wonder if, like, the fixes they need to focus on, do they need to bring back players who felt 
jaded by it? Do they need to focus on bringing in new people with these patches? Because at least to me, like reading through the patch notes for 1.2, it felt like a lot of stuff that would help if you were starting a new playthrough. But if you're like 40 hours into a playthrough, I don't know how much of a difference some of those things might make. I, I could be off. I I played about five hours of Cyberpunk, recognized like the issues going on, and it just wasn't enough to keep me invested. And so I've been waiting essentially for the finished, fixed version. Um, but Zach, I know, I know you had a bit of experience with it. Uh, I'll start with you. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I've really enjoyed Cyberpunk quite a bit, yeah. actually. It wound up being one of my favorite games of 2020, but I, I played it on Series X where it ran relatively smoothly and looked pretty good um i'm still anxiously awaiting the actual next gen version of it because i do want to play it again kind of top to bottom when it's looking at you know it's best it's most next gen i think um <laughs> i think cd project red has had a really interesting week this week already because it's it's like they acquired a studio um that will you know supposedly help with some of the uh the crunch that they've dealt with in the past, it, it'll definitely help spread the workload across, you know, multiple places and, and they can focus on different things. Like this studio is kind of known for multiplayer, right? So like, um, we, the speculation is that there's some multiplayer aspects that, that this new studio will be working on. Um, I, I believe they're now CD project red Vancouver is what they're called. Um, but then they also put out that statement, you know, that was like, uh, we put out cyberpunk and we just didn't see the issues that a lot of people identified, but then their patch notes were like this long. Right. And it's like, <laughs> Did, really? You didn't, you didn't see it. Like, um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a catch 22. I definitely think it's the right move for them to move, to address the idea of their runway to launch just in terms of how they promote their games when they announce their games, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know if that's quite enough, you know? And I think we internally at IGN, we talk a lot about rebuilding goodwill and reestablishing, um, you know, uh, fan bases and things like that. But like, here's a good example. So this morning we have a news meeting every morning where we talk about like what stories we're going to cover on the fix, et cetera. And one of the folks in that meeting was like, I just don't understand how they have the money to acquire a new studio given, you know, cyberpunk's Mm. whole debacle. That game still sold millions of copies. Like, I think we get caught up on the bad press and the, the word of mouth and the, the, the conversation in, in, you know, gamer centric circles, but like cyberpunk was such a huge phenomenon that, that, it still sold hojillions of copies. Like they still made a shit of money. Like yeah. that, I think that, they made their know, budget back, like just in pre-orders instantly. or something. Yeah. 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 So, you know, whatever missteps they've made, they have the, the capital to pay to um, make those amends. You know what I mean? Um, and as a CD project red fan, like I, I love the Witcher. I really enjoyed cyberpunk. I'm, I'm still rooting for them. I just think, I just think they they bungled it every chance that they they at every opportunity over the last 12 to 18 months, you know, um, but moving forward, hopefully these things put them on the right track, these decisions. So. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're with you street. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, yeah, I've, I'll probably say I've probably played it for about maybe like five to six hours. And, you know, I played on on PC and it was a solid game i just at the time i didn't really understand what all of the the exact hype about it was especially with all of like the footage and everything that we talked about like, that everyone has seen um so like me experiencing it, it was cool but i did experience a lot of the issues with that i think it's great with the transparency that they're having with a lot of the fixes that they're doing i mean granted you know, it looks like a CVS receipt when you do, you know, just keep scrolling down or whatnot. But um, I think the transparency is good. I just think from from my perspective, I'm still not 100% sure if I would ever like, like ever go back to it, you know, like I'm, I have the Witcher 3, I believe. I haven't played it yet. I hear it's an amazing game. I just, I just think they've shot themselves in the foot a little bit too much in order for me to go back to it. So I'm just kind of just waiting for them to do something completely new and see how they handle that moving forward. 
Yeah, yeah, they're in a really interesting place. I think when we when Cyberpunk came out, we had talked about sort of like that goodwill thing. I think they were one of the developers that like had some of the most goodwill from the player base and how quickly that just sort of fell off with the Cyberpunk launch. And it, it is good to see this transparent transparency, especially back when, you know, the lack of it was what caused so many problems, especially when it came to those last gen versions. Um, it's it, it is a fascinating story that we're going to see continue to come more and more like to the forefront, especially with whatever these two projects are. Um, speaking of uh, Zach, I know you're mentioning that studio that'll be helping out in some multiplayer capacity. We know they've been wanting to work on some sort of multiplayer, but the, today some of their statements muddied it even further, like what their focus will be going forward outside of the immediate future for Cyberpunk. Uh, they had a statement that said, previously we hinted that our next AAA would be a multiplayer Cyberpunk game, but we have decided to reconsider this plan given our new, more systemic and agile approach. Instead of primarily primarily focusing on one big online experience or game, we are focusing on bringing online into all of our franchises one day. Mm-hmm. I don't know that to me reads like there won't be a proper like separate cyberpunk multiplayer thing probably anymore. And Mm -hmm. instead they will just integrate some multiplayer ideas into whatever they build cyberpunk into being. But it's one of those things where like they both gave us a picture, but there are still so many questions about what the future of CDPR looks like. It's a lot of words put together, that sentence, isn't it? It's not really it's not really saying anything. It's kind of basically saying we don't really know what we're doing next, so we can't tell you what we're doing next. It probably isn't this anymore, but we don't know what it is. So, you know, (laughs) basically not promising anything so no one can be annoyed is what they're doing, which after last year, I can't really blame them, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And especially there there was another quote from basically essentially saying that they're going to uh, sort of shift their PR and marketing cycles given both the long-term cycle that Cyberpunk 2077 had of, you know, like nearly a decade. They have plus, to. Plus the height. Yeah, they they can't they take the same approach again. And and like not not mm-hmm. only not only CD Projekt Red. I, I mean, I I think that one of the the biggest lessons coming out of Cyberpunk uh was to find a way to to manage expectations for any publisher, any developer, like understand the difference between <sighs> effective marketing and generating such a level of hype, you know, like there's this, there's just no way that cyberpunk could have loved, lived up to the level of hype that, that mm-hmm. was generated around it after that number of years and however many months of, you know, bi-monthly drops, like live events, like, Hey, here's this huge event that we're throwing to talk about the cars in our game. Like that, that's, it's crazy what they did on the marketing for that game. And I hope that the industry takes note and, and, you know, adjusts accordingly their marketing plans to to mitigate some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like Street, you were saying of how like, you, you know, after playing a few hours, you were sort of like taken aback by like the hype that you saw going in versus what you were playing and sort of your, you know, reaction to it. And it it's one of those interesting things of like, I, I totally agree, Zach. I feel like this isn't just going to affect CDPR going forward. Like we are we are going to see changes across the board for I think how people approach games because as you were saying, Zach, like they still made all their money back, but at least like within these dedicated circles, people are more wary right now. Like there is just a, especially any cross gen game. If they're not showing what the PS4 and Xbox one version look like and are just touting the PS5 and Xbox Series X version, that's going to raise a lot of questions now because you don't want to pull another cyberpunk. I don't want to turn, you know, CDPR into the Brita of the video game universe, but it's sort of like, yeah, they're everyone I think is going to be a little more careful going forward. And it's very interesting to see how that's going to play out. Um, yeah. I just like, I just want studios to be honest, man. Like I know like people are always going to complain about like delays. Oh, we want this game right now. Well, guess what? You got cyberpunk in this initial state. Now what? You know what I mean? So I just want, no matter how many times you're going to, you know, delay a game, we just want like a, you just want a great product at launch. That's pretty much all we as you know, as a you know, big gamer myself, that's all we ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, especially seeing the the flood of delays this year. And I think definitely a lot of them are more related to ongoing COVID concerns than a reaction to cyberpunk. But I'm sure the reaction to cyberpunk hangs over most people looking to do marketing for their games in the coming mm-hmm. year or two. I, I think that's going to really stick out to us, especially in the way that we cover games. It's going to raise a lot of questions when we go into a preview, when we go into, um, you know, uh, a new event at an E3 or a Gamescom or something else. Like when we see games, it's going to raise those questions because 
in the back of our heads, we'll be like, well, you know, don't don't fool us twice sort of situation. Um, but obviously there, there's a ton of devs at Cyberpunk 2077 who, as we've seen in the reporting, did raise these flags, did raise these concerns that we are seeing sort of from the uh, top level down as as accurate. They, they said they didn't see these problems coming, not listening to their team about the issues that they were clearly seeing. It's, it's unfortunate, and I'm, I'm hopeful that they can improve it. I want it to get to a place where I'm excited to jump into it and able to buy it on PlayStation <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. Um, moving on from that, just briefly wanted to mention, I haven't gotten a chance to play it because it literally came out um, the day we were recording this. I thought we'd have a couple of weeks before it did. Uh, Ratchet & Clank got a PS5 patch so that the game will run at 60 frames per second. And as a as a reminder, I think today, the day this episode is coming out, is your last day to pick up Ratchet & Clank for free on ps4 you can also play it on on ps5 backward compatible um it's completely free whether or not you have playstation plus so you can uh, pick up the game and if you have a ps5 it has the 60 frames per second patch uh, obviously a good bit of marketing ahead of rift apart um but the thing that i wanted to to bring up as sort of a in interesting cases i'm really excited to jump back into ratchet i really franchise i can't wait for rift apart i think it's you know one of the most exciting looking next gen games um sony's PS5 patch upgrade process has been a little weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Xbox pretty much was like day and date. Things will play better on Series X. Uh, some are optimized. We'll let you know if they're optimized. It, it sort of was this like across the board first party emphasis and focus for them. PS5, we're seeing these uh, patches come out intermittently where God of War got one a couple like a month or two after the PS5 was out. Days Gone and Ghost of Tsushima had them on day one. Ratchet is getting it now. We're still waiting for a Horizon Forbidden Horizon Zero Dawn, excuse me, PS5 patch. It still doesn't have sort of like optimization for that. Um, I was sort of curious if all of you thought, is this clever marketing strategy to turn PS5 patches into news beats, or is it more just probably the realities of development coming to a head? <laughs> I think it's a bit of both because you see those games, the games that got them instantly, Days Gone, Ghost, God of War, not instantly, but sooner. Those are games that those developers and those studios we don't know necessarily what they're doing next and their games are probably quite far away even though they say god of war ragnarok is coming this year i don't believe it for a second mm. but we'll see <laughs> no. um but like you say games like ratchet games like horizon zero dawn are coming later i think because they're going to release these patches closer to the sequels or those studios next games coming out and like you said it does act as a nice bit of pr and a way to get people to play those games again and realize maybe how great they are because i don't know if i will play ratchet and clank again i do love that game i do already have the platinum so i don't really have much reason to go back if the ps5 version had new trophies <laughs> i'm with I you would. there i get it yeah um because i already <laughs> played that game through like three times you know around launch so i do love it but i'm just more excited for the sequel i think at this point and I don't want to ratchet myself out or clank myself. You know, you n- never clank yourself. Do we have to bleep uh, that? I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do think it is clever on their part. But also those patches could be coming later for those games because those studios are hard at work on these games coming sooner. So they have priorities, really. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll agree to that. Yeah, I think uh, I also think it's a little bit of both. Like, I do think it's important to turn these kinds of stories into news beats and like just the allowing people to have a little more awareness, a little more insight as to like, Oh, Hey, this, this game that I love that's is now I have a reason to go back and visit it. Even if I got the platinum, cause I want to see it at 60 frames per second or in true 4k or whatever. Right. Like, um, I just replayed ratchet and clank in February <laughs> in yeah. anticipation of, uh, uh, rift apart. And now I kind of wish that I'd waited just to see, you know, see what it looks like. But I mean, that game, still looks incredible it's still so, beautiful yeah. yeah it's yeah and it still runs silky smooth regardless of the frame rate so um yeah i i don't you know it's not like i regret it or anything but yeah it's um yeah it's one of those funny things where i i waited because i'm like this patch has to be coming and so i was gonna play earlier this year and was like let me give it a couple months and see what happens um and so i i have waited and i am gonna jump back in but yeah i i think for me it it makes total sense and like as you guys were saying um it, it, having a news story to go along with these things it helps keep it like back in everyone's minds especially as the sequel's coming out but yeah i think it, it does lead to that sort of question of uh should i replay this game now or should i play it for the first time now or should i wait like wh- what's the precipice and obviously we're gonna 
we're going to hit a point where that's less of an issue because cross-gen games won't be as much of a focus. But yeah, it's an interesting place to be in mm-hmm. at the beginning of this generation. So I have been having the urge to go back to The Last of Us Part 2 because I did only play it once at launch. I do want to play again. I've been having that urge. But at the same time, that's going to surely at some point that's getting a PS5 patch. I, I assume I would hope so. Yeah. yeah, I bet you before the end of the year it does. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. I'm just going to wait because... It's worth it for that game, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that feels like a no-brainer, especially if and when they ever release uh, the factions multiplayer thing that they've teased before. Uh, briefly, before we move on to what we're playing, I did just want to mention because this did uh, come up in between shows, but uh, Sony officially announced that a Ghost of Tsushima movie is in the works. Uh, we don't have too many uh, details about how it'll exactly adapt the story. Uh, given that it's a large open world with a pretty ensemble cast uh, and um, we don't have any stars or uh, talent on that side attached to it. I am totally blanking and I feel like an idiot because I had the story up and then I accidentally X'd out of the tab. Uh, I forget who the director is. So I'm it's going the to John Wick director. Thank um, you. Yeah. Derek. Yeah. Colstead? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which for a, for a game or uh, Chad Stelhesky, excuse me. Yes. Uh, w- yeah. One of the, yeah, the Chadwick, uh, John Wick dudes, Chadwick guys. Chadwick um, is not as cool a character no. as John Wick. <laughs> um, anyway, so we know that movie will be coming. It's a yet another sign of like Sony increasing its sort of focus on adapting its projects uh, on a case by case basis, uh, which which I appreciate. Like they're they're trying to figure out where to best put these movies and TV shows like The Last of Us and that Twisted Metal show that's coming down the pipe at some point. Um, my only thing was, I, I, about I, that. <laughs> right. I thought Ghost would make a pretty cool miniseries. I'm, I'm interested how they cram it into a movie. I think the main plot yeah. you could probably cram into a movie, but the think, joy of... Go ahead. Yeah, I think you could. I think they've got the right man for it because... You know, if there's one man who knows how to direct an action thriller about a man, one man on a vengeance mission. Yeah. Get the guy who did John Wick, because why wouldn't you? Um, and I do think the, like, I'm not as hot on Ghost of Tsushima as a lot of people. I enjoyed it. I, I wasn't like near my game of the year for last year, but I you still really enjoyed it. You can leave the show it. right now then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the thing I enjoyed the most about the game was the combat. And if they can recreate some of that combat in some of the fight scenes in the show, then in the shows are in the film, then. I think it'll be great. I just, a lot does rest on who you get to play those parts, I think, because that is another great thing about the game is the performances are all great. And maybe it is time that we saw some of the people who play these characters actually playing people in films and TV shows. But I don't know. It's not for me to say, is it? I don't run these. I don't run a film company. Maybe I should. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Yet. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I am curious about what they do, because this is one of those funny things for me. And it was the same thought about when I heard there's an Uncharted movie. It's like Uncharted is so clearly inspired by Indiana Jones. And so to make a movie of it, the snake eating its own tail and goes to Tsushima, even though it's an original movie, is heavily inspired by Kurosawa films. And, it, you know, even with the Kurosawa mode in there. And so it's one of those things of like, does it just then become a sort of like pastiche of those old movies? And is the thing that inspired it or mm-hmm. can it be its own unique thing is i think the question mm-hmm. i have yeah because i think but, it's you know i'm probably get some flat for this i think it's a pretty standard a to b story i don't think the actual plot itself is anything outstanding in that game so how it's for me the style of that game is what they've got to translate into the film and the style of the action and the personal motives those characters rather than the broad story itself I hope it's just a movie about a guy who follows a bunch of foxes. That'd be great. If Andrew Goldfarb is writing the movie, that's what it will be. Yeah, you know, it's just like he just goes on a nice horse ride and occasionally he just follows a fox and sees what happens. Like, that's the whole movie. That sounds good to me. (laughs) It does have to live up to the title card of Ghost of Tsushima, which is so great. Give me that same, give me an identical late title card. I bet they will. Yeah. That would Absolutely. be Fox is a ghost I'd all along. It's Haley Joel Osment is playing. Ooh, okay. All right. <laughs> there we go. I'm in. You've completely changed yeah. the story, but I, I'm there yeah. with And this is why I don't run a film company. I, I, so like I, I don't know, man. Like I, I think that I think that having a sort of A to B plot like you're describing, Cardi, is maybe lends itself better to a a uh a film. You know what I mean? Like I think that it it makes more sense to me. Like this movie makes more sense to me than an uncharted movie does. You know, because it is a contained story. That, yeah. It's like yeah. mm, my uncle yeah. is kidnapped by 
this faction of people. So we're going to, I'm going to invent becoming a ninja and go break him out like that. You know, like that's the whole story of that game. And you can take some artistic license, but that's already like a pretty easily understandable story. Whereas something like uncharted with five games, you know, in the Canon and you know, Mm -hmm. what story do you tell? Which parts do you take? Which parts do you omit? Um, Apparently the answer was to like go with a young Nathan Drake. I don't know. It just doesn't make as much sense to me as this. I mean, I will say I absolutely loved ghost of Shima legends. And if the film was actually a take on that, then I'd be very into it if it was some sort of weird, it's a way harder movie Japanese to horror. Yeah, but I I like interesting things. So. <laughs> oh my gosh! Damn. <laughs> this guy. Oh. Uh, well, whatever it becomes, we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on it. Uh, but that that's far off in the future. I want to talk about things that are happening now, and by things that are happening, I mean the games that we're playing. Uh, Street, as as our guest, uh, I want to start off with you. What have you been playing? Both either on stream or, or off stream in your own time. What have you been up to recently? Uh, well, I would say one game that recently just came out was the co-op game. It takes two. And man, I'll have to say the way the game executes the cooperation between the two characters is legit like top notch. I would say if you were playing it with like 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 your best friend or like a really good friend of yours, like you'll enjoy it a lot more than if you were either a playing it by yourself or playing with somebody that is um that's random. So that is a game I'm definitely going to revisit again for sure. Um, in addition to that, I've been I've been playing Breath of the Wild for like months, like yes, legit months. Yes, dog. legit legit <laughs> months, and I just want more and more of it. Legit every time I'm in I'm in the DLC right now, but it's my actually. And I'm, I'm going to put this out, you know, on blast and everything. It's, it's my first Zelda game ever. So mm-hmm. it's been a real nice, like, introduction into into the franchise and just wants me to, you know, play more of it, honestly. Um, so it, it takes two, Breath of the Wild. Outriders comes out later this week. The demo was really nice. I enjoyed that a ton. So I'm going to go ahead and be digging into that. And I need to be a lot better about playing games offline. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach, what Zelda game should he play next as a, a Resident Well, Zelda I mean, Master? I know this is a PlayStation podcast. PlayStation so I don't want to get, I don't want to get too much <laughs> I had to ask that. I had to ask that. Um, tune into uh, Nintendo Voice Chat Thursdays at 3 p.m. on IGN. But, um, I, you know, it's, it's tough because Breath of the Wild is such a different Zelda game. Um, it's like yes, so, so wildly different from right. most of the Zelda games that came before it. Um, Skyward Sword, mm-hmm. the remaster, is coming out later this year. And that was the game that came just before Breath of the Wild. And it's probably, there's a lot of ideas that started in Skyward Sword that were executed better in Breath of the Wild. Um, it's probably the closest thing. But my favorite Zelda game, um, second favorite after Breath of the Wild, is probably Wind Waker. So I would give one of, one of those two a shot next. Yeah, yeah Wind Waker is my favorite Zelda, so I'd Same. also agree with that. Yeah. I love it. It's a good place to go next for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon, what have you been playing? What have you been up to? I've also been playing a lot of It Takes Two, and I've got to agree with Street. It's it's some of the most fun I've had in years playing a video game. Like maybe at this point, it's hard to say because I love Paul Two so much, but maybe the best co-op game I've played. I'm, I think, right near the end. I maybe have an hour or two left. I might even finish off this podcast. Who knows? But wow, it's mm. incredible. Like it's just non-stop creativity and. That's what I want from Joseph Farris and Hayes. Like I was really excited for a way out, and it kind of disappointed me in a way. I was, it didn't hit, yeah. it didn't do what I wanted it to do. It kind of promised being different at every turn, and it never really was for me. You were doing a lot of the same things again and again. Whereas this game, every five minutes, it's throwing something new at you, and it's just, yeah, it's I, I love it, and I can't wait to finish it and play it again with more and more people. Yeah, um, I, right. I. Uh, have also been looking forward to playing it's to, it takes two i've heard really great things about it i was really excited about it because i was going to mm. play it with my girlfriend um yeah, yeah. Uh, but instead she played it with simon cardi <laughs> so well, simon i was actually going to ask what the hell's your problem all right well, you got i knew it. this was coming um i may add that she that lucy approached me with the idea of playing the game it was not vice versa so uh there we go <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll play it with you, Zach. How about I play it with you and Lucy never plays? Actually, that'd be really poetic. That'd justice be really poetic. There we go. <laughs> I mean, I went it, back to her and was like, "Actually, I'm going to play with Simon." So <laughs> <laughs> it is a game about a couple working through their strife and their differences. So I think it totally mm. makes sense for the two of you to play it together. And that's right. Yeah, 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 we that, could maybe we could maybe make amends by the end. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we might we might just. Um, but the one I've really been playing the last few days is Disco Elysium: The Final Cut, which is come to playstation yesterday uh mm-hmm. as we're releasing this and pc you get a free upgrade if you already own disco elysium and it's how to where to start with this game it's i reviewed it i've given it a 10 i think it's an absolute masterpiece it's unlike anything else i've ever played and it's it's an rpg in like the truest sense of the word like it harkens back more to like a Dungeons and Dragons game and it does like a Witcher or a Final Fantasy. It's all about building your character in this world, using dice rolls and your skills and just work. You are a detective who wakes up with a hangover and basically just amnesia. You don't know who you are, why you're in this place. And you know, you've got a case to solve and that's all you know when you start this game. And it's just 25 to 30 hours of just weirdness a lot of bad language. Don't play with kids. I will say that. Uh, and a lot of drugs and a lot of violence, but it's just, it's the best written game I've ever played. I think I'm at a point where I can say that now. It's just, oh, there's over a million words in this game, which is twice as long as the Lord of the Rings trilogy back to back. And now it's fully voiced with the final cut. And one voice actor who is a jazz musician, uh, who plays all 24 voices inside your head in this game does over half of that so that's the whole of Tolstoy's War and Peace he is narrated for this game <laughs> it is absolute madness and I think that's what put some people off originally not only the fact it was only on PC when it came out over a year ago but the fact is a lot of reading now it's fully voiced so you can play it on a TV screen and not be squinting reading all the text like it's all said to you mm. and that makes such a big difference and was really my only real gripe of the original and now it's got that re-release with full voice casting. I would just recommend anyone to try this game. I'd read reviews. I'd watch it. I know it's not going to be for everyone. This is not a game that everyone will think is a masterpiece. Some people will just turn off of it completely. But I think it's worth giving a go because I don't think it's like anything else you'll play. And it's unbelievable. Yeah, I um, ever since the your initial review and just everything I've heard about it since it's been one of those like, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it when it's when it's out on a console, uh, especially once we got the final cut word. And I, I can't wait to jump into it this week. Uh, and I'm I, I love your your final cut review. I love the original review as well. But yeah, this was a fantastic review that, uh, as Simon said, definitely go read it and watch it if you can. It's on uh, the, the written's on IGN. The Is there a video version? I am cutting that uh tomorrow. So cool. the video will be live probably by the time this podcast is out. So awesome. Uh, and Zach, other than not getting to play It Takes Two, what have you been playing? Uh, you know, I've been kind of having a little bit of a rough go the last, I'd say, month in just like not really playing anything that has stuck with me. I've kind of bounced off a lot of different things. Uh, this year in particular, I'm trying really hard not to A, replay stuff, and B, not to push through stuff that that doesn't really grab me in the first few hours. You know, if something hasn't hooked me in the first like three to five hours, like I, you know, Previously, I would have been like, oh, I'll just I'll just keep playing and see if I if it grows on me. But at this point, I'm just like trying not to spend too much time on on stuff that hasn't really hooked me. Um, so I've been bouncing between a lot of different stuff. Um, but most recently, the thing that I, I downloaded most recently was uh, Hot Shots Golf, which is a game that I'm really enjoying because I've had it on my PlayStation forever. You know, like I bought it when it came out. I just never played it. And so now I've just been it's been nice to just dip in there. But I. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying Hot Shots Golf. Shout out to that game. Uh, and then I downloaded uh, Disco Elysium. Uh, I want to I want to try that just because it's you know I've heard so many awesome things about it. It was in so many Game of the Year conversations. I'd typically be hard pressed to play or uh, yeah to play any game that would have me play as a cop. But um, in this case, I'll make an exception because I've heard it's very good. It's, it's so. definitely not a pro police game if I can put right, it that way. Yeah. Uh, everyone um, hates you. So yeah, <laughs> if the shoe fits. Um, and then yeah, outside of that, I've just been bouncing between a bunch of other stuff too. So yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I I played a bit of it takes two as well, and I I definitely need to jump into. But yeah, I I think it's 
as you uh, both were saying, Street and Simon, it, it is just so creative and so like constantly fun. I, I can't wait to get back to it. Uh, I've been continuing to stream my playthrough of Sekiro for the first time. Uh, and I just over the weekend played through, I forget what the actual boss's name was, but I guess without spoilers, it's in a different, you, you kind of teleport somewhere and oh, you yeah. have to chase down some monkeys. Oh, you, you, you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, um, the, I knew nothing about that fight going into it and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who has happened to have not played Sekiro, uh, you know, as I am just getting to it for the first time, but man, that fight that encounter is so clever and I just did not expect Mm. that to come in the middle of this because I I was finally getting into this groove where like I felt like I was understanding the combat and understanding the 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 way to get through a fight uh pretty pretty well and then that just throws you for a loop in how you approach something and it's so fun and so creative um Mm. I I loved it and I can't wait to keep going I I love watching people play those games as well so I just don't (laughs) I've realized now like Bloodborne, I paid a good eight to ten hours off, and oh. I realized eventually I was getting into it, and I like it to an extent. But I realized ultimately these games aren't for me. I think, and yeah. I'm happy yeah. with that now. I'm happy yeah. being called not good at games. It's not because I'm not good at them. I just wasn't enjoying it that much. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's what I tell myself anyway. But um, I- yeah, I love watching. I love all the FromSoft games to watch. I think the worlds and the stories are incredible. I've enjoyed watching a little bit of your stream secretly, Jonathan. You don't know I'm oh. there, but I'm lurking. Oh, we should uh, chime oh, in lurker. There's a, <laughs> Very sneaky. There's so many. Like, yeah. You can watch tomorrow's same from GameStop stream it. You can watch our yeah. do a full series of all these games on YouTube, yeah. which I recommend. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I will watch people play these games forever, but no, I will never finish them myself. <laughs> I, I played through, well, Bloodborne was my first, and then I did, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3, uh, and Sekiro. But for some reason, uh, Demon Souls was the one that did it for me. I got like most, uh, probably like three quarters of the way through Demon Souls and was just like, you know what? I just don't have the patience for it anymore. Oh. Like, I, like as much as I loved all oh. the other games, I just got to a point where I was just like, I've died 30 times on this boss. Like, I'm just like, I think that's maybe what helped me make the decision of like, I don't need to spend time on a game that I'm just like banging my head against the wall on, but yeah. Yeah. I think Sekiro. Yeah. I think Sekiro is, I think like the first game from, from soft that I played and probably within like the first 30 minutes, I was like, Nope, this ain't for me. So I stopped right. I stopped right there. Cause I'm like, this thing's tough. I'm like, what's Uh going on here? Uh, But then I revisited a few like a, like a few months later, I think I was, it was like a dare or something from somebody. It was like, all right, if you, after this game, you're going to play this. And I was like, all right, fine. And it's been, you know, one of the best games I've ever played in Bloodborne. Man, if I can tell you that, like, I would revisit Yarnum again, even though on some bosses I was on, like, stream for like three hours on the same boss, just <laughs> dying and dying and dying. But yep. it's just really rewarding, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting I I finally understand that sort of like the the punishment and then the reward of it. And and Simon, I also totally it is not for everyone. It very much was not for me until it clicked. But even if it never clicks, like as you said, they're still really fun to watch, especially like both watching the struggle and the the wins that people can go through. There's just such a catharsis to it. It's mainly the struggle. I enjoy the yeah, struggle. That's right. yeah. There's, that's there's a, that's the yeah, that's fair. There's that's the majority of it. The vast majority. <laughs> Don't just put that out of context because that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Zach, I know you have a hard out push now, so if you need to bounce, I, I yeah, I gotta go. Me. This has been cool though. Great talking. It's great to, to you have all. you though, Zach. Yeah, yeah. You, man. Take care. Before we wrap up, though, I do want to jump into our memory card segment, which is, of course, the segment where the viewers and listeners at home write in with their funny, weird, sa- uh, sad. I was going to say sacky. I, I mix the words sad and wacky. That's where I'm at this day. Sack boy stories. All sack, your sack boy, boy stories. Exclusively <laughs> sack boy stories. Uh, anyway, it's uh, it's our weekly segment where you write your stories the show you can write in to beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card and we'll uh read them on the show each and every week thank you to everyone who has been sending them in please continue to do so uh we definitely have a few that i'll be pulling from in future weeks that have already been sent in but if you'd like to send one in please share it please don't be afraid to to send it in uh obviously you can keep stories anonymous if you'd prefer to uh, i know people don't want to share names always that's completely fine uh if it's if it's you know pretty personal and such but always happy to read these out and i i just wanted to say thank you again to everyone who has shared some of these have been really personal and really emotional. Some have been hilarious. Some have been very weird. Uh, we've had so many great stories, and I really appreciate everyone who's written it so far. 
Uh, but Street, since you're our guest this week, I wanted to open up to you if, if there's any sort of PlayStation or just general gaming memory you really want to share this week. I uh, want to give you the spotlight. Sure. Uh, I would say one memory that always sticks out is playing Final Fantasy X for like the first time. Um, so like the way that I was able to get the game was my my family, like growing up, you know, like obviously we didn't have like a lot and whatnot. Right. But there was like, all right, you can get like one game for like twenty dollars at GameStop, you know, when people actually shopped at GameStop. Um, so we I just looking through the, the bins or whatever. And I saw like the Final Fantasy 10 cover and it looked interesting. So we got it. And it was probably like the first game it's the first game that's ever made me cry about like characters that i actually cared about even though i've never met that i felt connected to like a world where i felt you know i felt some of the joy i felt a lot of the sorrow um in my own personal life and you know that type of game you know it'll always it'll always stick with me um and that's something that really sticks out in my childhood final fantasy 10 is phenomenal game i can't wait to get back into it yeah that's that's that one's always been a an unfortunate blind spot for me especially considering that i i love kingdom hearts and i i feel mm-hmm. like i often see 10 held up with like well if you like kingdom hearts you'll probably like 10 and vice versa and so yeah i do want to jump into that one at some point and i think i think i bought it on sale on a playstation sale like you know like months ago Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really want to get to that one cause I've heard such, um, great love for it. And especially hearing how much it affected you. I, I've, I'll, yeah. I'll bump it up the list a little bit for sure. Um, Simon, anything you want to share of gaming times? I'm not, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I also uh, didn't want to, oh you know, prevent uh, you also can just say no and I'll just move on. Um, I never asked. It's fine. Uh, I'll just keep rambling. Otherwise, yeah, I like games kind of good. cool. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, well, anyway, that is going to pretty wrap us up for this week's episode of beyond uh before we we leave though uh to plug uh definitely as we mentioned before uh check out simon's disco elysium the final cut review if you haven't already uh simon is there anything else that you've been working on recently that you want to point people to uh nothing coming soon i know we're going to talk about uh dale's playstation home inside story that he, yes uh, yeah uh, dale on the uk team he uh released his long-awaited well, long away because I've known about it for weeks, but uh, PlayStation <laughs> Home inside story about the people who loved PlayStation Home are basically trying to keep it alive. And it's a great feature if you haven't seen it. It's, there's a long run piece and also like a 15 to 20 minute documentary version of it as well, which I know at IGN we're proud of these inside stories and there's going to be more coming. But yeah, this is a real good PlayStation one. That I think everyone who listens to this podcast would find something they love out of it. And it is very yeah. good. It's it's a really great one. I, I started it last night and it, it was hard to stop because it's just such a fascinating heartwarming story at the end of the day, because it's all these people who are just really passionate about this now defunct, uh, you know, social platform that PlayStation had. And especially with the, the PS3 store yeah. closing, it, it, it feels pretty, pretty resonant uh, at the moment. But yeah, it, it's on IGN. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's uh, about the fans who are. Uh, I, I want to pick out the full title before I uh, mess it up. I believe it's the fans who are trying to into PlayStation Home dying or something along those lines. Yes, it is mm-hmm. very very I, similar to that. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I will the the fans who refuse PlayStation Home die. Yeah, yes. it's a it's a really great piece. Definitely go check it out uh, if you mm-hmm. haven't already. I recommend it to everyone listening. But yeah. Uh, yeah, apart from my Disco Elysium review, I've kind of got bits and bobs. Got an inside story in the pipeline, but. Can't reveal what that is yet because it's probably months away. But there you go. Look forward to that mystery project. <laughs> the fans who don't refuse to let PlayStation home. Exactly. It's a complete argument against this video. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very strange the approach we're taking. It's just talking to everyone who didn't like PlayStation home. It's really not nice to watch. <laughs> it's it's weird oh, that you decided no. to take this path. But yeah, yeah. here we are. Uh, um, but no, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I, I love the inside story. I can't wait to see uh, what else we have cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Street, where, uh, what specifically uh, can people look forward to on your streams? I, I know you were mentioning playing through Breath of the Wild DLC currently. Anything else you want to shout out specifically before we wrap up? Uh, I mean, like, if you are just look, if you're looking for a place to you know feel empowered and to you know feel uplifted, you know that's what my streams about. Like, community is really welcoming, and I always just like to. Let people know that like your life is valuable, that your past does not determine your future. And, you know, there's something out there for for everybody. Um, So that's what my streams are usually about. You know, we always play games and whatnot, but it's always about just letting people know that things are going to be okay. 
you know um so you can catch me um twitch usually thursdays fridays and sundays you can catch me there if you want to interact with me live and then you can also catch me on twitter and instagram um, as well if you want to interact with me there Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I'm very happy to have found your streams. It's it's as you were saying, uh, your community is extremely welcoming and warm uh, and it's a very uh, welcoming, great place to be, whether you're just tuning in for a little bit or, you know, in the stream joining from the start. It's a, it's a really great community you fostered there uh, and I'm excited to see it grow. I appreciate that. But uh, that's going to about wrap us up for this week's episode. Uh, Simon and Street, thank you so much for joining me this week. And thanks to Zach, but he he's not here. So it's it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, and thank you, of course, to Red, our producer, for helping to make this show run. And thank you to everyone out there who's watched and listened. Uh, Beyond is normally live 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN games and your podcast services around the world. Thank you so much for watching or listening. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. 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 Hey, I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not going to do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the Ant-Man movies. I didn't know if my scene was going to get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.